Hi, this is Greg Kilstrom. Welcome to the Agile World Podcast, where we discuss customer experience, employee experience, and transformation in an agile age. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at theagile.world and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Center of Experience, a blueprint for creating an experience-led organization, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile World Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how enterprises who remain agile can achieve great success in building great experiences for their customers. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Aileen Cahill, an author, speaker, and customer experience expert who has worked with several Fortune 100 companies and gotten great customer experience, digital transformation, and marketing results through a data-driven, customer-centric, and agile approach. First, why don't you tell uh, tell me a little bit about your background? Thanks, Greg. Um, yeah, back in the day, I got my degree in applied behavioral analytics, so I was a complete quant nerd. But now with uh-huh. big data and all of the digital insights that we have, I'm on the precipice of being cool. So <laughs> I, I, I help companies grow by focusing on their customers. And I know that sounds intuitive and a bit like a no-brainer, but many times companies focus on themselves, their products, and their processes, and think that they know their customers when in fact that's, that's not the case. Well, Aileen, uh, you were kind enough to share a PowerPoint that I'm going to have available for download on my website uh, after this episode airs uh, called The Keys to Agile Customer Experience. So we'll be talking through some ideas that are shared in there as well for future reference. So let's start uh, by talking about the the importance of customer experience. Uh, First, I'd love to hear what your definition of good CX is. Well, customer experience is the sum of all the interactions, uh, consumer, if it's B2C, or customer, if it's B2B, have with you, your brand, your and all of your communication. So your, your website, your emails, um, retail experiences, phone calls, all of that. And, you know, brand is now a artifact of customer experience. Back in the day, we used to do these big brand building campaigns. Well, really now brand is a reflection of the customer experience. Yeah, so how do you how do you recommend that an organization measures that then, you know, measures customer experience? Well, far too often, um, you, you can't measure the entire customer experience, right? And so it's important to first identify what's most important to the customers, right? We call these moments of truth. And that's where you want to start measuring, where it matters most, or moments that matter is also what it's called. Start by measuring those interactions. And also identify where there might be friction, and, and where there might be customer frustration and try and improve and measure those. And that's where you can really um, make a difference. Great. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, friction on the on the customer side, but let's what about, you know, friction on the inside? So, you know, roadblocks within an organization. What do you think? It seems to me like 
most organizations understand that they need to provide great customer experience. So that's um, there's it's well documented and researched and 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 so on and so forth. But yet, so many organizations are not doing it well, and they don't have processes in place to not only adequately measure, I would say, but also to to improve it. What do you think are the biggest roadblocks to an organization doing uh, customer experience well? Well, that's a, that's a big fat question. <laughs> <laughs> um, really, I mean, part part of the challenge is the historical functional silos, right? So, uh, customer experience is really impacted by every function in the organization. So, having it be everyone's job is the psychological principle of diffusion of accountability. If it's everyone's yeah. job, then it's no one's job. <laughs> so, so really trying to um, break down the internal functional silos. And so that, um, you know, there's this big push. I'm all about data, right? And customer data is different than company and sales data. Customer data is about what's important to them. What are their needs? What are their attitudes? Not just what were their transactions, but what's their customer lifetime value, right? So I know Forrester has written a lot about the chief marketing officer and the chief information officer needing to be joined at the hip and, and rather than be in the you know, turf battle that they need to be collaborating. Um, some folks just yeah. were writing that there's a, a huge uh, resurgence of chief customer officers coming on online and that they are often reporting to the CEO in recognition that it's not a, a functionally siloed uh, endeavor and it's really a, a transformational trip that involves the entire organization to deliver good CX. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, that's uh, my latest book, Center of Experience. I talk a lot about that idea of the traditional organization. To it, it's not about restructuring the organization; it's about looking at how do we uh, identify and address both customer and employee experience without having to restructure. Because you, if you make an, a customer experience department, for instance. That's great. They may be able to oversee some processes and, and policies and things like that. But to, to what you were saying earlier, customer experience is everybody's job. Even even if you're uh, even if you feel like you're mostly inward facing and and, and stuff like that. So um, totally agree that it's it, it requires a new way of thinking in an organization, and that kind of brings us to the next topic, and and certainly one that uh, an important one to this uh, to this show, agile. Um, so what do you see? You've done a lot of work in, in agile marketing and, and at applying agile in, in business. What's, uh, what role does agile play in, in the type of transformation that, that these organizations need in order to do customer experience well? Well, five years ago, when I started talking about agile marketing in the, in, on social media platforms, I had people telling me that Agile was for software and IT only and couldn't be <laughs> applied to other business functions. So I, I'm glad we've uh, matured since then and realized that it's a, it's a great approach. So really, I mean, Agile has so much going for it, okay? And I'm a big believer, but the the what needs to fuel the Agile methodology is, 
is deep, deep customer insights, right? So starting with the kind of design thinking principles of really knowing your customers. And that's not just from a research perspective, but really like living and breathing your customers. That's why I sometimes call myself a customer evangelist, right? So, you know, we we talked a little bit in preparation for this uh, conversation about how Toyota engineers went and lived with their drivers of the minivan and they re-engineered their minivans to better fit families with small children here in the United States. We then also talked about my, let's just call it my German car, um, <laughs> <laughs> that has no idea how people in the United States use their cars. My, I don't have enough cup holders. The cup holders aren't big enough. The armrest doesn't do the duty that it needs to. And everybody I know who has these German cars says they drive great, but there's really some serious shortcomings. So why don't they send their engineers here and help us understand that? Yeah, yeah. So in in your work, um, how have you used Agile to to successfully help brands? Yeah, great question. So, you know, starting with those deep customer insights, we then look at, and, you know, these are terms that others have used, what are the jobs to be done, right? What is it your customers are trying to accomplish when they call your call center, when they go to your website, when they go to your retail location, where, where are you maybe inadvertently inflicting pain on those customers? And then that becomes the the kind of the defining moment of what design sprints do you want to run, right? The Google Labs popularized this notion of design sprints. But for those of us who have been around since before Google, um, it's a really it's a it's a mashup of a lot of proven research, brainstorming, ideation techniques and and research techniques that work. And they they mashed it up. So you you start with a problem you're trying to solve on day one. And in an ideal world, by day five, you have a working prototype. And that's really a cross-functional team. And that's one of the beauties of these design sprints and the agile methodology is a cross-functional team. The, the more diverse the thinking in the room is, the better your outcomes are going to be. And that's proven time and time again from the boardroom to these design sprints. You mentioned... Um you know, Agile started in manufacturing software in, you know, very different areas than marketing and HR and, and other things like that. Where do you see the biggest potential for for its use that maybe is not getting enough attention right now? Yeah, so, and I'll, I'll speak to marketing since that's my uh, functional sure, yeah. strong suit. But you know, marketing in the past, and it has it has been historically practiced, has been more of a kind of set it and forget it type of function. Let's do the plan. Let's buy the media, upfront media buys. Um, here's the campaigns for the entire year. And that is not as nimble as we need to be in, in this day and age. So really rethinking about what is the fast cycle um, framework for t- 
test, measure, and learn? How do you collect and integrate the data? Then really do that deep analysis and, and discover opportunities. It's with that analysis that you discover, oh my gosh, there's this big you know, white space opportunity or there's this blue ocean strategy. And then you act and you optimize. And the whole idea of iteration and continual improvement and refinement is something that I think is relatively new for, for marketing, for sure, and uh, certainly something that we can benefit from. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about where great customer experience starts from. So, uh, you know, it's often said that great, great CX starts with great employee experience. Uh, you know, happy employees make happy customers how do you recommend organizations work to enable employees to uh, deliver great customer experience since they're so key to the process? Where, where does that start in the organization? Uh, well, you're spot on. Great customer experience is predicated upon great employee experience, and that has been proven time and time again. But it's really got to start at the top, Greg. So customer experience is a C-suite um, endeavor because it is so all-encompassing across the organization. And so I, I have found that although the, um, the senior executives understand the business and the business model, they've been in far too many meetings to remember really what the customer is going through and helping those executives viscerally understand the customer's experience is important. And this is not a PowerPoint, okay? Viscerally understand does not mean a PowerPoint of a customer journey map. It means getting out of your office, going to your stores, mystery shopping your competitors, going to the call center, and not just listening to calls at your desk, sit next to the customer service representatives and see what the interoperability of their systems are. In many cases, they've got these legacy systems. They're rekeying in data. They're jumping through hoops. They're jotting things down on Post-it notes, be they you know physical or digital Post-it notes. I mean, some of these CSRs need a superhero cape based on the hoops that their own <laughs> organizations are having them jump through. Yeah, I mean, I love that. You mentioned the, you know, people think of Agile as because it had origins and and software and uh, and things like that um, as a very technical thing, and yet you you mention a very human side of this and the the human centered part of it, which is really understanding, taking the time to whether it's what you're saying, like shadowing individuals or journey mapping or all of these types of things that are while they may have. Uh, results that are very highly technical. Um, they're very human. They start at the human level. So I think that's, I think that's such a. It's almost a coming full circle <laughs> kind of thing. But it's so it's so needed in this day and age. Um, do you see that as a way to to help break down silos as well? Absolutely. So let me just uh, design thinking is near and dear to my heart because it starts with the customer, right? And yeah. And, you know, IDEO and Frog have, Frog Design have repopularized it. Thank goodness. I love them for that. But it's not yeah. new. It's been around since the 60s, right? Um, okay. But I'll just give you an example of how that 
starting with the humanistic, human-centered design element, helped an aha moment with the C-suite. I was recently working with uh, an insurance company and super great people, super nice people, really ethical, wanting to do the right things, right? And we brought a call to a meeting where there was a a person, you know, a little old lady who was basically being evicted because she couldn't afford her rent payment. And um, her voice was quavering. She was on the verge of, you know, melting down the poor lady. And the, the call center person would have gotten an A plus for their efficiency and they're following the script. But they showed no empathy. The script was really spewing jargon at this poor little old lady. I mean, I I welled up and cried. It was so sad. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really where you have to... You have to put people in the. It's it's about empathy, right. as as you were saying. It's really you have to put people in in someone else's shoes to understand really what they're what they're going through and, and everything like that. Yeah. Um, well, and with yeah. call centers especially because they are a very you know predominant uh, customer uh, touch point. Think about effectiveness metrics, not just efficiency metrics, average call handle time. Okay. I get it. That's important, but really effectiveness metrics of, you know, how did it feel from the recipient standpoint? Did we solve what they were, their job to be done? Did we solve their problem? First call resolution and balancing those effectiveness metrics with those efficiency metrics. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, one other thing, just in the in the PowerPoint that um, that you've provided that that will be available for download, you talk about um, whole brain marketing, and so I'd love to for you to just touch on that a little bit uh, here. And there's a left brain, right brain, the art and science of marketing. Really, could you talk a little bit about that and and describe it? So this is this is my personal soapbox. So I'll try to keep it brief. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so um, you know the the science of marketing has has uh, reemerged. It's actually always been there, right? So when I started in uh, marketing, I thought it had to do with the customer. And when I I started um, in big CPG marketing, it was really the big idea and creative. Br- driven and brand building. And I work with super smart people and we started doing some of the science of marketing. And that's where we had breakthrough results in terms of before big data, we cobbled together Joseph's Technicolor raincoat to identify heavy users of our competitive competitors products. We measured our results in terms of the switching campaign we had And we were really scrappy in how we did it. Now it's easier. And I actually wrote a white paper for Shopper Expo a a few years ago, uh, beseeching marketers to do whole brain marketing and, you know, use your corpus callosum, which is the connector between the left and the right right brain, because that helps you be customer centric. It helps you understand what's good for the customer and what's good for the company. So it's really mutually beneficial. We've heard a lot about personalization and data driving personalization. 
this is the perfect example of how the data insights help you inform what's the content that's relevant to this customer or consumer. Where are they in their relationship with us? What are their interests, right? So that you can be contextually aware and engaging. Yeah, that's great. And that's really, I, I, I love that it it ties back not only, it's got to be worth it to the brand, obviously, they they have to be effective in what they're doing, but doing that better makes it more effective for the customer as well. And so, you know, I, I like a win-win situation. <laughs> so it's definitely that, that sounds like, that sounds like a great approach. And Absolutely. as I said, that'll, that'll be available for, uh, for uh, people to look at. Um, yeah. It's really network. about listening to your customers. So there's this whole concept of asking them one question, maybe every time one that you can act on, we call it drip irrigation so that you can get smarter about how to serve them. So with, with predictive modeling and the you know, data science, if I know the answer to one question, I can interpolate seven other answers, right? Because that's how the, the statistics work. So just asking that one question makes you so much smarter about how you might want to interact and we call that a golden question. And I can give you a brief example if you're interested. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah so um, we were working with Hearts Mountain, the uh, pet pet um, toy company and the flea collar company. And so we had to figure out this one golden question that we could tell a lot about a customer. And, and the question was, do you buy your pet a holiday present or a birthday present? And if they answered no, then they probably weren't going to buy a lot of plush toys for, for Fido or Fluffy, right? Right. But if they answered yes, they were probably a key target for, um, you know, humanizing the pet. You know, the pet is a, a family member type of household where they're going to be buying plush toys. They're going to be buying treats, maybe even as far as, you know, sweaters, <laughs> Right, right. So one other That's thing, great. I, Greg, and I don't know if you want to touch on this, but um, a lot of folks say, okay, what you just said makes sense, but it seems a little overwhelming. You know, you can't eat an elephant holistically. Where, where, where do you take the first bite? So, you know, the Pareto principle where 20% of your customers make up 80% of your profits, I, I, Pareto was a genius, right? <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. so start with those most valuable customers and then figure out what drives value for them. What are they trying to do? What are the deep customer insights that you have about those most valuable customers? And then you can use all sorts of math to build lookalike models and, you know, reverse append data and be brilliant. But really, you know, start by picket fencing those most valuable customers and really understanding and re-engineering that experience and then everything else will follow. That's great. Yeah, to totally agree. Wonderful. Well, um, one last thing before we wrap up here, uh, for those interested in learning more about how to apply more agile processes to their work, agile marketing, uh, so on and so forth, where would you recommend they start? 
Well, I'm, I already declared I was a nerd, so <laughs> I like to read a lot. And so keep reading. And um, I got my Agile certification from an organization called IC Agile. And they actually have a special Agile training for people who are business people as opposed to software people or manufacturing people. And it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I got the same one, actually, the yeah, from, from IC Agile. So yeah, no, that's definitely, definitely agree. Well, uh, Aileen, thanks so much for joining the show. And, and for those listening, uh, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you're doing? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at Aileen Cahill. And uh, I have a pretty big LinkedIn uh, presence as well. Great. Well, thanks again, Aileen Cahill, for joining the show. Yeah, um, and in the, yeah, and in the presentation, I, I left my email in there. So feel free to reach out and ping me if you have any specific questions. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, and we'll have a, a link to the PowerPoint uh, in the in, on the page for the episode. So thanks again. Um, oh, thank you so learn. much. This has been terrific. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much. To learn more about both customer and employee experience, I recommend you go to my website at gregkilstrom.com and make sure to check out my latest book, The Center of Experience. More information is available on my website or wherever the book is available, like Amazon. Thanks for listening to The Agile World with Greg Kilstrom. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to The Agile World Podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Center of Experience, from my website at theagile.world or on Amazon or other retailers. Until next week, stay agile.